Right, I do desire your prayers. It's uh, it's been a good week, and hope trust that you've all had a Merry Christmas. And Santa Claus has been good, maybe to everybody but Ricky. I don't know if he come to see you or not. But. Um, I'd ask you to turn to a familiar scripture you've heard a lot this time of year, Luke chapter two. Um, and we'll try not to take much of your time today. I know it's a busy day, and you've got family things to do, and that's fine. Uh, can I just say one more time? I'm glad that you're here. Um, and I'm, it was said in Sunday school, and I'm not knocking anybody who didn't come. I know it's a busy day, um, and, and some people can't, and that's, that's understandable. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, we have an opportunity, as I said a while ago, that, that we don't doesn't come around a lot. And so to be in the house of the Lord on Christmas Day, and I know there are other places that have closed, but I'm glad that we're here um, with a mind of worship. Appreciate the spirit that I've already felt this morning. I do desire your prayers. Um, turn with me Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. No doubt you've thought of this, heard this, um, about this time of year, um, for a long time. Uh, forever how long you've been alive, you've probably heard this story. Um, and so I, I wonder sometimes how can we make it... Um, uh, fresh, fresh might not be the right word, but uh, but it seems over time that uh, that uh, that we just get used to or accustomed 
and, and we don't really put a great deal of thought uh, because we have heard this so often. Uh, but I want to take your mind back and, and uh, imagine, if you will, for a moment that you had never heard this or imagine, if you will, uh, that you were alive 2,000 years ago. Uh, when all of this began to unfold, we have uh, what's written here and what I've read is a part of the story of the nativity, a part of the story of the incarnation. And, uh, and knowing that, uh, that our salvation hinges, uh, you, can have, uh, uh, you can have many things to say about this man named Jesus. Uh, uh, but if, you, uh, if, if we don't believe today He is a, a virgin-born Son of God, uh, then our faith is vain. Uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can look at it from any angle uh, that you want to, but, uh, but the bottom line is He has to be born of a virgin. It simply has to be. And no other way would work. And so when we think our salvation hinges on this little birth 2,000 some years ago, uh, then it always ought to be fresh. Uh, whether it's this time of year or in the middle of summer, uh, we ought to just once in a while fall on our face and thank God for the day uh, that He incarnated Himself and became a man. Uh, we ought to thank Him uh, because in order, you heard me say this a lot, uh, but in order for there to be a Calvary, there had to be a birth. He had to be born. Uh, Galatians tells us that, that He was born in the fullness of time. It said in the fullness of time uh, that, uh, that when He should come, uh, God, uh, God brought forth His Son, born of a woman, made under the law, uh, to break the law. And so uh, we know here the, uh, the, uh, the time, if you will, not necessarily the month and the day, uh, but we know the time because it tells us that Serenius was governor of Syria and all of that. Uh, so you can go back and trace that if you want to. Uh, but I thought this morning just about the choices. And we talked in Sunday school about the choices uh, that we have and how that, uh, how that I believe. And a lot of people don't believe this, and that's alright, and don't take this the wrong way, uh, because I believe that everybody has an opportunity to be saved by grace. I believe that every last man, woman, and child uh, that's ever walked the face of this earth has that opportunity, uh, because the Bible declares uh, that the, even the uh, creation declares the glory of God. And so don't take this the wrong way. Uh, but I do believe in my heart uh, that, uh, that in eternity past, before the creation ever came, before the world was ever formed, I think it was predestined for Mary and for Joseph. And don't take that the wrong way uh, because they still had a choice to make. But the difference is God knew uh, the choice that they would make. Uh, I believe that they were, uh, I believe that they were humble uh, Jews in that day. You've got to remember the culture 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem. It wasn't the culture that we have here today. Uh, it was a different culture altogether. Uh, it was a, it was a culture that, uh, that, uh, that reserved uh, to worship God on their Sabbath. Uh, and I believe that they did. I believe that Mary and Joseph and a few others uh, heard the stories 
in the Old Testament. I heard the stories and the prophecies that someday in Isaiah chapter 7 and 9, chapter 7 and chapter 9, you can find that He says this hundreds of years before this night. He said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And he shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And he said the government will be upon his shoulders. And he declared him to be the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And I believe Mary and Joseph knew that. I believe they were studied. I believe the 400 years of silence didn't stop a few from hanging on to the promise just like we must do today. It's been 2,000 years since he left. But there are still a few hanging on to the promise that He's yet coming again. And so I believe that they were like we are. And looking for and hastening unto the coming of our Lord. And so an angel named Gabriel first appeared to John the Baptist, mom and dad. And then he was sent to Mary six months later. And as he came to Mary, he said, Hail thou that art highly favored among women. And Mary said, oh, what kind of salutation shall this be? And he began to explain to her, Mary, you shall be with child of the Holy Ghost. And she said, how can I be with child seeing I'm a virgin and have never known a man? And the angel said, don't worry about that. The Holy Ghost will overshadow thee. And the thing which is born in thee shall be called the Son of God. I can't imagine what must have went through her heart. Brother Randy Radlin in Sunday school said they probably thought, and she probably thought, I'm not worthy of this. Because that's what I thought. And that's what I still think every time I try to do what I'm doing right now. I'm not worthy to do this. But nevertheless, God called me, and God called her. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And see, she had a choice to make. You've got to understand the culture in those days. As she could have been, and they were under the law of Moses. And under the law of Moses, as they had authority by God Himself. They could have stoned her. They could have killed her. If they thought that she had, uh, had, uh, had relations outside of marriage, they had every right to stone her. And she knew that. And still in the face of all of that adversity and in the danger, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And Joseph also had a choice. For the same angel came to Joseph. And he said, Joseph, don't be afraid. Not to take Mary, your wife. She's still pure. She's still a virgin. She's not known a man. But she is carrying a holy child. And Joseph had a choice. He could either stay with her or he could put her away. And he chose to stay. Joseph had a great deal. And so the Bible says that, 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 that they, they went to Bethlehem. Why? Why did they go to Bethlehem? Because, because Caesar Augustus wanted a census taken. You've heard me say this before. But we're not near as important as we think that we are. And I say that regarding this Caesar. 
And because he, he had grown tired maybe of the Jewish provinces or whatever his reasoning was. And so, and so he thought within himself, I'm the supreme ruler of this land. I'll do what I want. You see, men that rule countries today, they think that they're in complete control. And they are. But, but, they will never accept the predestination of what God has already chosen. And so God had chosen in the Old Testament in the book of Micah chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 2. He says, Behold thou Bethlehem, though thou art little, and though thou art the least, Bethlehem wasn't Jerusalem. It was a few miles outside of Jerusalem, just a little town. But it was where David came from. It was the city of David. And so he said, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be small and little in Judah, out of thee shall come forth unto me he that shall be ruler in Israel. And he is from old. The Bible said his going forth have been from everlasting. And so while Caesar Augustus did what he thought as supreme ruler of the land, he had no idea he was fulfilling the prophecy of God. And so men today uh, that uh, that, uh, think they're doing all of this in their own power, they have no idea. They're just fulfilling the prophecy that's already been foretold. And so you find that we're living in the days of revelation. I believe that. I believe it's coming. And so, uh, so what we find here, the choice that they made. And, and so we read unto you that story that they came. And they went into Bethlehem. Uh, she wouldn't have traveled had the, had the census not been ordered by the king. She was in no shape to travel. Uh, she was nine months with child. Uh, but she traveled. And it was a slow travel, I'm sure. And so by the time they got to Bethlehem, all the other travelers that came to take the census... All the other travelers had took all the rooms and there was nowhere for him to be found. And no room for him. And so the Bible says there was a stable and there was a little stable there and there in the humble little manger in the stable. And there our Lord and Savior was born in this world. What a remarkable thing. I can't comprehend it. I've tried for, for 45 years to comprehend how that could happen. And we talked it in Sunday school and Brother Philip uh, said, made mention of Deuteronomy chapter 29 uh, where it says to me, belongeth all the secrets. And so God keeps them. I don't know how He incarnated Himself, but He did. He became flesh. Uh, you see, there are those that believe Jesus Christ uh, was a good teacher, a moral person, uh, one that you could look to. Uh, you can have all your theology and all your doctrine right. Uh, but if you don't get Him right, it's all vain. He is God in the flesh. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh. And so that, that little babe in the manger was the Lord God Almighty. I can't explain that to you other than the fact that He, he loved His creation so much. That he, he had a plan in place. And the Savior 
had been born. But what does that mean? What did that little birth mean in the stable 2,000 years ago? Well, the Bible says she brought him forth and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but I have read histories and it said that that, that around that place, and I don't know this to be true, but this is what I've read, that around that place, because of the amount of sheep that it took to make their sacrifices at Passover and such, that it would take like a quarter of a million sheep. And so around that place, I've read that, uh, that there, were, uh, there were shepherds that would raise these sheep. And then they would take the firstborn and set him aside. And you know what they would do? Uh, they would go over him uh, to make sure there was no spot and no blemish. Uh, to make sure he was worthy uh, to be a lamb and uh, to be sacrificed unto a holy God. And so I've read they would take those lambs and they would swaddle them and wrap them in swaddling clothes and lay them in a manger. Well, if that is true, then what John the Baptist said takes on an entirely different meaning. When he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So we think, what does that mean? The Bible said there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock. And they were there. And the Bible said as they were there, that an angel appeared unto them. And he said unto them, that they were afraid. And he said the first thing, fear not. Fear not. He said, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy. For unto you, this day in the city of David, is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's the message. And that's the first gospel message, if you will, in the New Testament, I guess. And that unto you is born a Savior. And while he was speaking, the Bible says that an innumerable company of angels, that suddenly the heavenly host just appeared. What did they say? I believe it was the first Christmas carol ever known to man. How would they sing, Glory to God in the highest? And under a peace, goodwill toward men. Now what does that really mean? Angels have seen God bring worlds into existence. Had the book of Job said, had the, the, had the sons of God shouted, and the morning stars sang together uh, when He created the earth. And so the, no doubt they had sang uh, honor and glory and praise and majesty and thanksgiving uh, to the one on the throne uh, from the day they were created, no doubt. But what did they say now? They said glory to God in the highest. In other words, all the worlds that have ever appeared had, had just the Word of God in the world. When He said, let there be light and there was light. That was glory to God. Had the little raindrop that falls in the forest. Had that glistens off of a bloomed flower. Had that man has never set foot on. Blooms for the glory of God. But what did they say? They said this is the highest glory that we can ever imagine. And that God would become the babe in the manger. Have glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward men. Men have been at war since the dawn of age. Men will continue to be at war until the Lord comes back. 
But that peace that he's talking about, it's a peace that's found in the heart of a saved individual. Peace on earth and goodwill toward man. God has goodwill toward you. But even the angels had to make a choice. Have they had to make a choice? How when they see, see, I believe that Satan's knowledge, we often give him far, far too much power. He doesn't, he doesn't know the end from the beginning like God does. He doesn't know the predestination of God's will. And so I don't think he had any idea. But I do think when uh, he knew it was coming. Uh, but I do think uh, uh, when Gabriel uh, made that announcement and when the angels made that choice uh, and said that little babe in the manger is our Creator and our Maker. And so what did they do? Uh, they glorified and praised that babe in the manger as their Creator and Maker. And I think when that happened, I think Satan's ears went up, if you will. I think he realized now uh, that this man-child is born into this world. And the angels... There was never a time that God ever had a round table with discussion with the angels. I believe they watched it unfold just like we did. Amen. I don't believe He ever filled them in. And so for them to cry out, that little baby, imagine the God of heaven and earth being nourished on, uh, by His mother just to survive. I can't imagine it. A few years later or some time later, how we come across a different group of men. I know the nativity scenes. I understand that the wise men are there at the manger. I don't think they were there the night He was born. But I think they did come. They said we have seen His star in the east. And what was that star? They were astrologers. They were watchers. They were looking at the sky. They had no doubt heard the prophecies in Daniel. They were looking for a birth. And so they saw His star. And the Bible said they started their journey. And so they journeyed many miles. It doesn't say exactly where they came from. And there's been speculation, but I don't really know. And it don't really matter if it would have been said. But the Bible says that they brought unto Him. And they came and they searched. And they didn't know where He was at. And so they went to the capital. And they saw the star. And it must have went away. And they found themselves in Jerusalem. Where else? Who would know about this king? Besides these, those were learned men. And so King Herod, uh, being, uh, being afraid, uh, they came and they said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And Herod thought, What's that? I'm the king of the Jews. And so he began to get scared. He gathered the, uh, the wise men together. He grabbed the scribes and uh, the doctors of the law and uh, demanded of them where should Christ be born. And they said He has to be born in Bethlehem. And so King Herod sent these wise men, these magi, off to Bethlehem. And he said, When you found this child, bring me word again that I may worship Him also, which was a lie. But that's what he said. And so the Bible said those wise men, they went out of Jerusalem. They could have went back home. They could have said, we've come so far. I want to encourage you. Hey, listen to me right now. You that have tried to get saved, and you've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried, and you're at the point where you think there's no use trying. Those wise men could have just went home. But they did. They said, we've come this far. Let's see it through. I want to encourage you, sinner friend, that you've come so far. You're right there. Don't stop. 
Don't turn around. Don't go home. And the Bible said they went. And when they went out before the King Herod, the star appeared again. And it said they rejoiced to see that star. What does that mean? I take it to mean, if I could use the comparison, this is your star. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean not everybody in the world is fortunate to live where the gospel is preached. Not everybody in the world is able to worship God like we do. And so this is your star. This is your sign. Do you think, I think personally, if those magi had went back home and not saw it through to the end, I think personally they would have been judged harder than those who never saw the star. Because God revealed it to them. And so you that have had the privilege of hearing the gospel, you're going to be judged different than those who don't. That's my opinion. The Bible says even those who never hear it, and God's God, He can do what He wants to, He has that authority. But they will be without excuse. And they'll die lost and go to hell. But say, preacher, how's that fire? You can take that up with God. I'm just telling you what the book says. But you're not one of those people. You have heard. You have saw the star. You saw people at the altar. You saw lives change. You saw tears running down faces. You saw people shout in the Spirit of God. You saw this church praise God and the Spirit come in and walk up and down these aisles. You have a star. And to ignore that is to your own demise. And so what will that choice be? Those wise men went off and they went into Bethlehem and the star apparently just showed them right where to go. You listen to me. You might say, I've never heard this. I've never had this opportunity. I don't even know what salvation is. I don't know enough to be saved. And let me tell you something. You don't have to know a thing other than Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Amen. He died at Calvary in order to save your soul. You don't have to know much. And God will give you that stuff. He will lead you or, or draw you. At least that's the way He did me. He drew me. He drew me. What do you mean by that? I mean it was like it was like God I had my heart on a pair of strings and cords and He was just drawing me down to a place on my knees of repentance. And He saved my soul. He saved my soul. But I had a choice that night. I could have sat there, but I had a star. I had a star. I had a little bit of a light. When God was drawing me, that was my star. And I fell down. didn't know how to pray. You don't have to know any of that. You don't even have to make a sound from your lips. But your heart has to be broken. It has to cry out. It has to call upon the only one that can save you. It has to call out to Jesus. 
And so, so they were drawn by that star. And they went into the house. He wasn't in a manger then. He wasn't in a stable. But he was in a house. And they went in and they saw Mary. And they saw Joseph. And then they laid their eyes on that little baby. And it said they bowed down and worshipped him. People have had theories. I know they were pagans. I know they were. But let me tell you this. God has a way. Don't you think it's quite a remarkable thing? He didn't reveal Himself that night unto the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and those who knew the Bible and those who knew the law and they were left out. But He revealed Himself to shepherds who probably couldn't read. They were probably illiterate. Probably not the best smelling men that they dealt in, 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 in sheep and cattle. And, and so they, but those poor shepherds rejoiced. They saw things that no man had ever seen. And so while those that were close by were left out, what did God do? He called men from the east from a long journey and a long distance. And I know they were pagans, but I know what the Bible said. They fell down and worshipped. I believe they knew. This was the only man ever born a king. And he was born a king and he was born a savior. But they had a choice. My thought is you have a choice today. They had a choice. They presented unto him gifts. I don't know how many they were. I know we portray them as three because they bought three gifts. There could have been two or ten or a hundred. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. But they gave him gold, which I believe represented him being king. Him being the king of kings. And they gave him gold. I also believed, as Brother Joe discussed in Sunday school a week or two ago, I believe it financed their trip into Egypt later on. But then they gave him incense, frankincense. And the Bible in Revelation 8 4 talks about our prayers of the saints coming up before God as incense. And the last thing they gave him was myrrh. Myrrh was used for different things. But there was one thing in particular that it was used for, and that was embalming. Think about that just for a moment. There was a smell associated. You know when you go into some nursing homes and hospitals, there's a smell. And I'm not saying that bad, it just is. There was a smell of myrrh that represented death. Think about that. If you smelled it, you knew it brought you back to death. Because you smelled that smell. When Christ died and they took Him down, Nicodemus brought myrrh and a hundred pounds of ointments and spices to wrap the body of Jesus in. But they brought myrrh at His birth. So even from a baby, He had the stench of the smell of death on Him. I want you to consider that. Even from a little baby, death followed Him. And it had to. But this is a part of your salvation. And without this Christmas story, Calvary wouldn't exist. You wouldn't be saved. And without Him coming into this world, you see, God had to be a man. 
He had to. It was man that broke His law. It had to be a man that fulfilled His law. He had to be a man because, because there had to be a companion. Job said, Job said there's no daysman between me and God. He said there's nobody that'll stand in the middle and touch God with one hand and man with the other and there's no mediator. There is now. There is now. And so, so uh, you don't need a priest to pray over you. You have that right to go yourself. And so, uh, so, but you have that choice. And so, he had to become a man. Why? And because he is our high priest. Thinking, I'm done. Think about that. He stands in the presence of the Father as a man. He has to. Why? Do you notice? You would think surely after He died and rose from the dead, surely He would tear off that mortal robe of flesh. But He didn't. He didn't. He still robed. It's a glorified body, but it's still a body. Think about that. That God incarnate is now man. And so He has the authority to touch the Father, to touch God, and to touch man. He is the daysman and the mediator. And so, so we rejoice in that. He is a high priest. In other words, when I sin, and I sin daily, I go to Him as a high priest and I speak to His manhood and He turns around in His Godhead and communes with the Father on behalf of me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But He had to become a man to do that. You see, Isaiah also said unto us, a child is born. And so He was. The holy child at Bethlehem. But then He says... And he was a child was born unto us. A son was given. God gave his son. We 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 have a tendency to to overlook Joseph in this story in his faith. We have a tendency sometimes to overlook God the Father. We praise Jesus and exalt him and rightly so. But the Father gave His Son. And the Spirit draws you unto Calvary. It's God all in all. But it never could have happened if He had not been born. He had to be born. I didn't really get to what I wanted to get to, but that's alright. Maybe next week. There were those that were waiting for His birth. And we may talk about that next week. But they were waiting and watching. There are still those of us that are looking for His return. That's why we're so adamant that you make the right choice and that you get saved. If not, you will go to hell. You will burn forever. Have mercy. This day, salvation came to this earth in the form of a babe in a manger. He could have been born in a palace, but he had humble beginnings in Bethlehem of Judea. Born to parents, the one was just a carpenter. 
all he was. Mary, I don't know, but, but they were poor. How do you know that? One thing, they gave birth in a stable. But the other thing, and I'll get into this maybe next week, at the temple they presented turtle doves and pigeons. What is the significance of that? They were supposed to have brought a lamb. They did bring a lamb. Just a different kind of lamb. But, but they said, hey, in, the old, in, the, in the law when it was written, they said, if you cannot afford a lamb, you can use turtle doves and pigeons. Humble beginnings for the Lord of glory. Humble beginnings. An humble life. He was homeless. Had nowhere to lay his head. And a humble death. Naked and embarrassed. Stripped off of his clothes. Beaten and bruised. Spit upon and scourged. Then crucified. I thank God today for the plan of salvation. I thank God today for Mary, for Joseph. We don't go as far as billions do and worship Mary. She was a sinner just like we are. But God did choose her to do this. And she had a choice. She accepted. Be it unto me according to thy word. You have a choice today. Lost sinner, you have a choice. When he draws, when he tugs, you have a choice to repent or to not repent. Church, you have a choice when the Holy Ghost moves upon you to do something. To do it or not do it. That's your choice. Make the right choice. That's our message. Come ahead with a song. Thank you for being here today.